The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Top brass from Artie's board and executive are before the Oireachtas Media Committee later today where they will be quizzed on some 178 pages of documents submitted a couple of days ago by RTE to the committee and of course the committee will have their own questions too. Uh, to look ahead at the latest appearance of RTE before the Media Committee I'm joined by Hugh O'Connell, Deputy Political Editor with Independent Newspapers. Uh, Hugh, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, um, interesting disclosures about uh, RT and the way it does its business over the last uh, few days. Um, it strikes me, looking at a lot of the stuff that's out there, it's kind of an exercise in deflection because there are kind of more serious matters than who got a grand for as a car allowance. Uh, yes, I mean, I, I suppose, uh, you know, we spent the summer sort of trawling through Orsi's uh, internal workings and finances and, and the, the Oireachtas Media Committee and indeed the Public Accounts Committee have sought an awful lot of detail. And on Monday, um, Orsi dropped these 178 documents, most of which are, are historic audit reports dating back as far as, as 2011. Uh, internal documents, memos related to procedures and the way things work within ORT, things like taxi policy, use of taxis, that kind of thing. Uh, And obviously then the eye-catching stuff is is, um, in terms of public interest or or what what would pique the public's interest as opposed to what's in the public interest um, would be stuff around car allowances, €656,651 paid out last year by the broadcaster in car allowances ranging from one thousand euro to fifteen hundred euro a year, up to twenty four to twenty five thousand euro a year, and I suppose what 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 kind of uh, astonished some people was that you don't actually have to have a driving license to benefit from this car allowance, and that it, in in some instances it forms uh, part of of a staff member's remuneration, and um, and then you you have other allowances as well um, for um, things like long service payments, um, people taking on extra responsibilities, acting up. Uh, effectively, uh, and then something called personal payments, um, which includes allowances related to being on air, from what I understand. Um, but you're right. I mean, it doesn't really cut to the core issue and the core problem facing ORT, which is that it's asked for 35 million euro in interim funding for, from the government. And uh, on top of that, it has a, a projected hole in license fee revenue of 21 million this year. Um, and as you'll see in the Irish Daily Mail today, uh, it had its worst week uh, for TV licences uh, since the Tuberty uh, crisis, or since, since the Ryan Tuberty payments issue sparked this crisis back in in June, uh, losing I think just just around a million euro uh, last week. Um, so those are the, the those are the kind of core fundamental issues for it and are likely to form some part of the discussion at the Rockless Media mm-hmm. Committee today. But I dare say, members, having sought all of this information, will want to go through some of it with them. Um, with ORT, including why, for example, there is a policy that um, allows people who don't have driving licences potentially not to, to uh, get car allowances. No, it's it's not known whether any of the people who got the car allowances uh, actually didn't have driving licences. It's just <laughs> not a requirement. And I, I'm wondering in, uh, you know, many corporate organisations, if uh, uh, people put in for mileage, for example, which is not included in all of this, many RT reporters would have to put in mileage if they're to, required to uh, drive to Galway or Tipperary or even to, you know, Kinnegad, they put in mileage expenses and these are, are, are not included. 
But uh, I'm not sure, do they have to show insurance policies to prove they're insured, which would therefore indicate they had a driving licence? But I'm just wondering, do any companies demand to inspect the driving licence of um, people who might get a car allowance, whether they have penalty points or whether they're on a provisional or or what? I'm not sure if that's kind of common throughout the corporate world. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know is, is the answer, Pat, but, but I suspect, um, you know, that the, this this might be quite common in the corporate world, as you say, but the fact that RTE have drawn attention to it and in the context of controversy around RTE, it's, it's not helpful, I suppose, that on the face of it, you could, and we don't know of the 61 employees last year who benefited from car allowances, whether any of them didn't in fact have a have a, have a car uh, or, or sorry, it didn't in fact have a have a driving license. Um, As I say, this sounds to me a bit like deflection. Give them something yeah. to talk about for which we have yeah. a very good answer. Yeah, yeah, um, and I guess we'll hear that answer today. And I think Orsi, you know, might try and put that put this particular issue to bed today. But you're right; this is the thing that's got people talking, uh, and and we're not necessarily talking about something more fundamental, which is um, which is around the future of Orsi and, and my own paper today. A story around pressure in governments growing around the the future of Montrose, the um, 23 acre campus out in Donnybrook, very lucrative site where RT has been since 1961. It sold uh, nine acres of of the site in 2017 to Kern Homes for a tidy sum of 107.5 million euro. And the OPW minister, Patrick O'Donovan, yesterday suggesting that they could sell more of the land and raise a lot more revenue uh, to, to deal with their financial issues. Um, and privately, people in government are, are talking about this as well, mm-hmm. that RTE is part of its uh, big plan for the future, which Kevin Backhurst is due to produce uh, next month, I believe, um, that they should look at this idea of either selling Montrose entirely and moving elsewhere, mm-hmm. perhaps you know, to, to Ballymount, where Virgin Media are, or somewhere else, um, uh, cheaper um, and uh, raising an awful lot of money to sustain it uh, in the short term, at least. Yeah. Probably um, in the the, the politicians, well. though, they'd be shooting themselves in the foot uh, because, as I know, having worked for Virgin Media and uh, for RT, getting uh, audiences uh, out to Ballymount, uh, getting politicians out to Ballymount uh, to do interviews, say, uh, on the 6-1, etc., is not an easy process, whereas all they have to do if they want to be on the 6-1, they hop up to Montrose and Dublin 4, uh, they can be there in, in jig time. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Are they likely to yeah, insist? It's not, it's, not the, it's, not the, it's not the edge of the earth, Pat. I mean, Ballymount's not that far away. Have you been on the M50 at a quarter? <laughs> have you been on the M50 at a quarter to six trying to get to Ballymount for six o'clock? I've been on the I've been on a quarter to six in the morning or quarter to seven. Yeah, in the exactly. That's no, fine. You make, then. A fair, you make a fair point. You make a fair point in that in that respect. But I mean, this is, for example, why RT has a studio in in Leinster House in terms of mm-hmm. the politicians. It doesn't stop them from uh, appearing on the six one or the nine o'clock news or on other programs. They have very uh, fine studios in Leinster House. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah, um, it's just and, and, you, you know, guys in the increasingly does outside broadcasts as well. I mean, frequently they they go to reporters live at the scene of of a crime or at an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at Paul Cunningham there down at the Fianna Fáil thinking and Tipperary and horse and jockey in front of a, uh, the IFA protesters. So these are these are not insurmountable problems, I think, for RT, and I think they're they're fairly minor in the context of yeah. as, you know, it's as just I said earlier, sitting on a, on a large land bank in in, um, in Donnybrook. That, you, that you sell off, an awful lot you of money sell off that land 
and then that's it. The family silver is gone and then you've got Correct. to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, and broadcasting is expensive. Infrastructure is expensive to build. To build a soundstage, for example, uh, like they have a, a number of them for Fair City and so on in Montrose. To replicate all of that, you mightn't have any change after you have sold the land. And that's one of the issues. Yeah, that's quite possible. And indeed, Kevin Backhurst has, has alluded to this when I, when I spoke to him in July and, and he first actually put this this issue of selling off Montrose, which has kind of been thrown around for years, he put it on the table and said, look, everything's on the table. Those were his words uh, in the context of Ortiz's situation. Um, but he did point out that it was looked at before and it was considered too expensive to, to move out uh, of of the uh, of the campus, uh, to move Ortiz entirely out of the campus. But I suppose he's looking at it afresh now in the context of Ortiz potentially being a very different organisation, and you and I have discussed this before, mm than the one uh, that it has been to, to date. It's going to be smaller. He's indicated that much. Um, so what kind of an organization it is and, and what are its needs uh, will determine whether it is effective from a cost perspective mm. for ORT to sell off this land, or will it decide perhaps, and I think this is maybe the more likely route, can they sell off more of the lands? There's 23 acres there. As I said before, they sold nine acres six years ago. Could they look at selling off a few more acres uh, to raise to raise some money? Yeah. That might be a viable proposition rather than moving everything out of um, of Montrose and, and to elsewhere. Now, the the, uh, the I suppose the the talking point about expenses and so on. Um, politicians have to tread a little warily though, because they all received unvouched expenses, don't they? And walking around money and then when they lose a seat they get disappointment money. I mean they have feathered their own nests quite considerably uh, and when you talk about unvouched um, expenses, that's a, that's a thorny one for politicians to jump up and be high and mighty about. Yeah, it is. I mean I, I, you know, politicians, the, the expensive system for politicians is, is um, it, it, it is quite Byzantine in, in some respects and um, there isn't uh, requirements for them to publish all of their receipts for example there is a, I think a random audit carried out on a handful of politicians every year they're picked at random uh, so they are required to keep receipts I suppose and keep records um, but we don't always see these there isn't the levels of transparency around uh, political expenses that there is in the UK for example uh, in the in, in the aftermath of the, the great expenses scandal of, of over a decade ago. Um, so they do have to tread warily in in this space, I suppose. But look, Ortsy has been has been um, in the stocks all summer. Um, and I, I, I think that really it, it doesn't um, it, it wouldn't necessarily reflect well on executives if they were th- to throw it back at Ortsy and say or throw it back at the politicians rather and say, well, you know, that we operate the same kind of system that we, you know, that politicians operate or that that is operated within the Iraq. This, um, look, I certainly think that you know we we spent a lot of the summer pouring over the details of of Ortiz expenses regimes and, and Ortiz various in, internal financial procedures, and it's definitely unearthed some bad practices. I mean, I think we you know, we look at the Barfield account, for example. Well, actually, one of the most interesting disclosures yesterday was. Um, uh, or rather through these documents is is around the uh, membership of fees paid for Soho House in London. You remember this came up in the mm-hmm. context of the barter account, or to paying, I think, just over €4,000 uh, for membership of, of the uh, exclusive Soho House uh, private members club in London. 
the rationale that the Orsi executives gave the committee for that membership um, was that Orsi had obviously relinquished its offices in London and that this was needed to meet, uh, th this membership club was needed, uh, or re membership of this club was needed to meet clients, uh, potential clients, uh, because Orsi does, does quite a lot of business in London and they didn't have a facility to do that. It actually transpires that this facility was only used uh, in 2022 and as recently as April of this year um for the commercial director and a member of the commercial department to stay over uh they didn't have any meetings in this facility it seems their meetings were held elsewhere so again that that exposes a little bit the discrepancies and evidence given to the committee by executives mm -hmm. over the summer and i think that's a, again another area they might like to dig in today i mean as i said to go back to my point i think what this has exposed is is some some fairly shonky and shoddy practices within rte which they'll obviously have to clean up in the context of their reform plan going mm. into the uh, into the future. Yeah, it does seem though that uh, you you know these details are relatively trivial in comparison to the damage that was done by uh, the whole saga in terms of lost uh, license fee income, uh, which you you adverted to already. Interesting, uh, Hugh. The comments coming in. Car allowances are used across all industry as a cost cutting measure. It enables company to offer higher base salaries, uh, but the car allowance part is excluded when calculating bonuses or pension contributions, hence reducing those costs. There's no requirement to spend it on a car either anywhere I've seen them. Car allowance is part of a package for most large organisations. My boss doesn't drive, but his wife does and drops him to work and collects him. I agree with you, Pat. It's a deflection as it's no big issue, uh, people getting this payment. I've done a few interviews over the last year. All with, came with car allowances, regardless of the need to drive. Most corporates do it as a top-up to pay that doesn't incur employers' PRSI. Uh, another one, most commercial companies provide a car to some of their staff as part of their remuneration. Since we opened up the radio and TV markets, RTE have to compete in that market. It's not a civil service department. Back in the early noughties, I worked for a financial institution. On promotion to manager, I was automatically provided a car allowance as part of the package. No driver's license required, just part of the manager's package. That's from Vince. As civil servants are required to produce insurance policies to indemnify the employer, it's a prerequisite for claiming expenses. Expenses are to cover outlays as part of completing your file. Now, don't forget there's a different regime in RTE for people who do the miles and claim the mileage. Uh, most companies will seek an indemnity if paying mileage to ensure that the recipient is actually insured. Um, we might get an audience more representative of our society in Ballymount, easier to access from all sides of Dublin and the rest of the country than uh, Donnybrook. Uh, I've worked with a few companies that either was given a vehicle or an allowance for a vehicle, and I have to say, they all asked to see my licence just to make sure I was legally able to get to where I was needed. All right, Hugh, um, it'll be an interesting afternoon, uh, I suspect, and um, we'll all be interested to see how they address the untruths that um, they gave to the other committees. I mean, the corrections, shall we say, that need to be made. You? Yeah. You, yes, uh, sorry. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, will they correct the record where they misrepresented um, some of the facts? I, I suspect so. I mean, look, or see their appearances before the committee have been much commented upon and, and some of the witnesses haven't been as good as others, but they have, uh, you know, when they've been pulled up on on, on issues, they, they have normally been quite conciliatory. So I suspect if, if for example, this issue of Soha House is raised, they'll acknowledge that they uh, misinformed the committee mm -hmm. as to the purpose of its use. 
Um, and equally, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion amongst your texters there regarding um, the uh, the car allowances and, and how they're used in other organisations. So they'll they'll probably seek to to explain that as well. Um, Look, Kevin Backhurst has a big job on his hands. Um, he's I, I, I personally have been quite impressed by his appearances before the committee to date. I think he's appeared once or, or twice possibly. Um, but I think we're, we're reaching the point now, and you can kind of sense it from talking to people in government in particular, that talking about doing things better and not doing some of the things that Ortiz used to do in the past that, that are obviously not good practice, uh, that's that's kind of running to the end of its course now. And there is a real expectation that... Backhurst begins to talk about the more radical and, and root and branch reforms within of the organisation, uh, and sets out a plan to to deliver them. Um, I, I think that's the challenge he he will now face as we head into the autumn and winter. Hugh O'Connell, deputy political editor with Independent Newspapers, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.